A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And how was that surprise last Friday when Avenged Sevenfold dropped their brand new studio album, The Stage, and made the announcement right here on Talk is Jericho. If you missed that podcast and you're an Avenged fan, the biggest heavy metal band in the world that's not Metallica, go give it a listen. M Shadows and Sinister Gates spoke in depth about the concept and the songs on the new record, the writing and the recording process. They also explained how and why they decided to do this surprise release, and I explained the whole story behind the Voltaic Oceans controversy. Uh, the uh, the album title that I came up with in M Shadows, and I decided to throw up a smokescreen to keep everybody off the track about the surprise release of the stage it was a great show it was a huge show but we're continuing avenge sevenfold week continues today with avenge sevenfold the road shads is back with bassist johnny christ to talk about touring and life on the road you got some great stories about the recent stadium show with Metallica. What it's been like having new drummer Brooks Wackerman in the band. He, he was announced as being a part of Avenged Sevenfold right here on Talk is Jericho. He's changed things for Avenged, and all of the drummers I know are flipping out over his performance on the stage. You're going to hear all about that. You also get great story about the night they met Axl Rose, their favorite songs to play live, and how the guys in Avenged Sevenfold got their stage names. M. Shadows, Johnny Christ, Sinister Gates, Zachy Vengeance. And Brooks Wackerman. Like I said, he's got to be called W. Ackerman. Uh, they also got some secrets and tips to surviving life on the road and long tours. They were talking about their days touring in a van on the Warp Tour, uh, playing in parking lots and dusty parking lots. It's the entire history of Avenged Sevenfold on the road. Lots of great stories and tips on how to survive. Talk is Jericho. Okay, so we are here in an undisclosed uh, ritzy hotel in New York City. With uh, very hip, very hip. Just by using the word hip, I think makes you not hip, though. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I got Johnny Christ and M Shadows here, uh, Avenge Sevenfold, talking about the new uh, epic, the new uh, opus, the new album from Avenge Sevenfold, which is entitled 
the stage. The stage. The st- <laughs> we'll leave a, we'll leave a, a, a break there just yeah. in case. But uh, but I mean, uh, I just heard a couple tracks from it, and man, it sounds amazing, and it really is kind of like I said to you guys, like it's my Avenged Sevenfold. It's harkening back to the White Album and the Nightmare and the Beast and the Harlot style uh, style albums. Um, what uh, what are you guys thinking so far? Man, who knows? We've been. Uh... You know, we've been writing this record long enough to where we've completely lost all objectivity. Right. You know, it's very true. It's been. It's been it was. It made us laugh coming. when we wrote it. Yep. It made us laugh when we hear back to it. And now we too. were definitely laughing when we heard the mixes. <laughs> now, how do you mean it made you laugh when you wrote it? I mean, some of the parts are just so off the wall and ridiculous that you're just like, well, that's really going to be shocking. But when you listen to something for a year, then it's not as shocking anymore. So when you put it out, it's sort of like. What, you don't get this right away? <laughs> you know, like, but it's funny though, like, if you do a record or write a book or anything like that, when you see it and go over it so many times, like you said, it's like if I'm writing a joke in a book or something, it's like, is this even funny anymore? Exactly. Is this stupid? This is yeah. stupid. I'm an idiot yeah. for even thinking this was funny. <laughs> but it was funny at one point. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's probably funny. Still, still probably funny. That's still what still you hope funny. is the yeah. first time somebody sees and something that's funny. When we funny laugh still. at stuff, we've laughed at stuff on previous records too, when we put shit out there. And it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just always. That's when I feel personally that we're doing something right is when I start laughing at it. And I go, that's hilarious. We were I definitely like laughing when we wrote City of Evil. Absolutely. And then when it came out, we were like, oh, this is dead serious. <laughs> and then it came out and everyone's like, laughed at us, <laughs> which was cool. Just about all the little parts and stuff that are involved. Yeah, it was just so like so over the top. Mm-hmm. Like, just like, how many guitars can you throw on there? You know, like, <laughs> Right, right. And then once uh, eventually 30 guitars feels normal because you've heard it all <laughs> year. Yeah. Well, one of the songs we have is there's too many tracks even on it to, to mix it on one board. You have to do it a couple of times. No yeah, kidding. On this record, yeah. yeah. How many tracks are on it? We don't know. We just know that they need to be submixed before they can be mixed. Because a mixing board would usually <laughs> normally has like 64 tracks, right? Or yeah. 32 tracks? This or? is just like Pro Tools won't open up the whole session. <laughs> so basically you need to submix a bunch of stuff and then put that into one track. This is going back to those old style, like, like Sergeant Pepper was recorded on an 8 track and they had to dump it to like a 16 track and then yeah. dump it to a 32 yeah. track. Yeah, it's pretty much. The same thing all over again, right? So, but I think one thing like on City of Evil that we were laughing about, obviously, is the Beast and the Harlot chorus. Mm-hmm. I mean, before that was out, it was like, what are you thinking? Oh, yeah. It's such a, <laughs> such a heavy riff before and then all of a sudden you go into that, that yeah, pop trigger. Like pure so, like, hero. It's funny. Super, like we used to call it like a, a Beerstein metal, like and these are a bunch of twenty-year-old dudes from Southern California doing this. So yeah. it made it even funnier. And that's what I always say. This we've talked about before. That's what really uh, connected me with Avenged right from the start on City of Evil was because of that element. The little yeah. bit of power metal, little Halloween, little Guns and Roses, um, the Ramones in there as yeah. well. But you, you, so many of these influences that bands of your ilk did not have and still don't have to this day, which makes me laugh because you're one of the biggest bands on the planet, and no one's trying to copy you yeah I, I think we're probably uncopyable <laughs> no one wants to venture we into can't even we write we can't, we can't even write two records in a row that sound like us so yeah. but isn't that the idea though right yeah, yeah i mean yeah i mean we we just write what makes us laugh and what we have fun with and i think that's just we don't know how else to do it honestly mm-hmm. like we've actually written things that sound too much like us and we're like extremely bored with that and we throw it away mm-hmm and it's like I understand that people would like this, but we can't live with ourselves. So we just—I mean, how many times does that stuff go by the wayside? It goes every, all the time. every time. Every time someone, regardless who it is, brings in a riff that sounds like 
something we've done before, it's immediately <laughs> or just something that really? sounds, or just something that sounds like us. It's like, exactly. Well, yeah, sounds like us. It's yeah, because it's not like oh, you. It's not like oh, that sounds like a nightmare riff. It sounds like that could be. It could have in been the realm in of, that, on that album, mm-hmm. yeah. And that was so long ago now. Yeah. <laughs> but that's but that's always the the hallmark of great bands is that they're always updating and changing and evolving. If you go back to the Beatles once again, or Zeppelin, or Guns N' Roses, or U2, or, or even Metallica, it's almost like to get the longevity of having a 20, 30, 40 year career, it has to change, unless yeah. you're ACDC or Slayer. But those are the two anomalies, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, I, I think we just have a good time challenging our audience and challenging ourselves. So mm. we don't know how else to do it. But then again, we don't take this that seriously to really try to think of it as like a science of like, how, what are our fans really going to like or this or that? Did um, you find like with, with Hail to the King, which was specifically, I remember we talked about it around this time, two, three years ago, whatever it was when you were putting that together, it was a specific, like we want to make this a very stripped back groove heavy type of album. Yeah. I mean, on that record, honestly... I mean, you walk into a bar and you, you can't play any Vengeful stuff. It's too complex or it's too this or that. And we just wanted a record that you could play with a one-two groove stomp and it sounded, you know, like a throwback to what we grew up on. Mm-hmm. And that, that you know, I still love the fact that if you walk into a bar, you're going to play The Beast and the Harlot, you're going to play Hail to the King. Right. You know, which one's going to sound better? Which one's going to make people want to drink and groove and... To me, that would, we wanted that for our career to have something like that. Mm-hmm. that, that so that element of it is cool to me. But in the in the process, you lose a lot of like raw power and and off the railsness because it's very controlled. And so I think on this record, we wanted to just have it to where it felt like it could run off the rails at any moment mm-hmm. and just a little bit more out of control. So how did you feel about that, Johnny? About, about Hail of the King being kind of a little bit of a stylistic change? Well, I think it was it was what we wanted to do at the time i mean basically like matt just said we wanted to strip everything back we wanted to have this slower bigger sounding record you know we always went back to a lot of albums that we grew up listening to and we were wondering like why does this sound so much better like it's just so much bigger and everything like that and then we wrote to make sure that that happened Mm -hmm. even before we went into the recording process and that's just what we wanted to do at the time i'm super proud of it I wouldn't change a single thing about it, but I'm also really happy about what we're sure. doing. Yeah, that, that was a huge success for you, but now it gives you creative license to go back to, to this style of a record, which you said, which is tempo changes and crazy playing and laughter all around. <laughs> it's actually funny, though. Uh, Hail to the King was one of the WrestleMania themes this year. I know. That was awesome. They yeah, still a couple cool. years late, but it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, why did they choose that? I yeah, it, was, it was weird. But yeah, I think uh, when we got into the process after Nightmare, it really like boiled under our skin to think about, you know, doing another record like that. And like everything we were writing sounded really like it was the next evolutionary process, but it wasn't exciting us. So that's why we made such a big turn. But I think giving us that, you know, six years from nightmare to now, it kind of allowed us to say, well, we want to bring some of that back, but let's continue to move forward and make it even different. Like, I think there's an alternative feel to this record. I think there's a bunch of things that, you know, we went really out on the vocals. The vocals are very, like, melodically, they're completely different than anything we've tried before, and that's every song. Um, we're not trying to write the third, the root note, or the fifth. I mean, it's like the weird blue notes and the mm. weird stuff. It's a lot of jazz notes on that, a lot of jazz chords that we played, even on the guitars and stuff, too. Yeah, like, so it got very... Jazzier. So that was jazzier. able to keep us excited about doing this. 
but you bring back the dueling guitars, but you use different notes and scales than you're used to. Right. And that kept us, so you get the energy of all that stuff, but now you're getting a different tone altogether that you can't really place your finger on, except that I just was <laughs> You just explain what it is. You just well, now you know. all your fingers on it. Now you got it. Let me go back and Do you think anything just popped in my head, too, the fact that Nightmare uh, was done without Rev after he passed away, but still a lot of his songwriting. Hail of the King was a very uh, departure almost to maybe, I don't know, cleanse cleanse the palate, so to speak, maybe a little bit, of, of having your first record writing without him and his involvement. Yeah, one thing was like ego, too. We were like we're not going to give the fans exactly what they want. Like, because like, Oh, let's go prove we can write the same type of songs with the rev, mm-hmm. which to some people, that'd be the most logical step to us. It was like, no, we're just going to continue to do something completely off the wall, whether he's here or not. Mm-hmm. And we just, we're going to deal with the consequences, whatever it is. And so I think that's how you, that's how we've always operated, but we're, we're stubborn mm-hmm. and we like to do what we, what really, you know, intrigues us instead of what might be the safe route or like the, well, let us give you a record just so you understand that we can still sure, jam right, it out. Right, right, like right. that just irked us as well. Mm-hmm. Just the idea of that. Um, so you're, so whatever was going to inspire us, which was let's make a very stripped down big record. That's what we were going to do no matter what. Mm-hmm. And we, we understood fully. Well, Jimmy would have been a hundred percent on board with that too. That's another thing. I think so. Like, I mean, we know him better than anyone. I yeah, think so yeah. for sure. And I think at that point it was like, that's just where we were going to go. That was the natural step lives. you'd need no matter what. Yeah. Right, right, right. nothing to do with that. And to be honest, it, it, the process would have been a lot easier if Jimmy was around. But mm. yeah. it still ended up being great. And at the end of the day, like I just I know in my heart that that record would have been made the same way mm-hmm. without Jimmy. That's just yeah. There probably would have been a couple other flavors in there. Yeah, there definitely been. Some other <laughs> <laughs> but so, overall, yeah. he would have been a hundred percent on board on this. Like this isn't. Yeah, well, you're dealing with a new age of like everybody talking everyone doing their things and you always get like the people that are like oh if cliff didn't die metallic would still be writing thrash records and it's like that's not true you just got to roll yeah. your eyes that's, that's yeah. totally not true i know I yeah know. see but the fans who say that it drives me nuts because if you know anything about metallica yeah. is that cliff introduced melody to james via rem and the almond brothers and leonard skinner and all that yeah, sort absolutely. of stuff that started with cliff burton yeah. leading into what james does now totally right people like to kind of grab for sure 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 you know it's like if if jimmy would have passed away during city of evil then the excuse for the white album being slowed down would have been Jimmy passed away. You know, like yeah, there's yeah, just sure. always these. And so that's stuff you just have to kind of keep out of your mind. And, and that's why we really, when we decided to do Hail of the King, we didn't want any of that to influence, like I said, oh, go do a safe record mm-hmm. and just, you know, have everyone shred on it. And even though your heart's not in songs like that. Sure. So we just continue to do our thing. And I think uh, this, is, this has been fun, but there are enough differences and nuances to where it kept us excited. Yeah. So. And you can start hearing some of those, you know, those old, like I said, that's the old style, not old, it's been five years or whatever, but that Avenged Sevenfold classic, weird little guitar parts, and there's a lot of dynamics in the songs that I've heard so far that really take it back to that, that yeah. but also moving it forward to where we are now. Totally. You know? I agree. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas. See? Already learning. Haha. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan. 
and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. What about when, um, because another thing I was going to laugh about Hales of the King is that people were compartmentalizing every song. Well, this is a Megadeth song, and this one is a Guns N' Roses song, and this one's a Metallica song. <laughs> I, I, never, I never heard it. I mean, maybe in, in This Means War, it's a little Metallica-esque, yeah. but like we discussed, Louie Louie and Wild Thing are the exact same riff, <laughs> right? There's no difference. There's no difference. The Wicker Man by Maiden, uh, Running Wild by Priest, and Makes Me Want to Sing by Striper, same riff. The bottom yeah. line, you play metal, and there's only 12 <laughs> yeah, That's right. <laughs> well, I will say that. This. They definitely will not hear one thing on this new record that sounds like anything. <laughs> You're like, That's okay, true. good or bad. <laughs> what did you think about That's that? That's not even you... musical. <laughs> what are they doing? What did you think about when you heard that when people were complaining about that sort of stuff? You know, obviously, you have to half roll your eyes at just the hyperbole that goes along with anyone that says anything on the internet. It just mm-hmm. gets all this steam because because everyone loves to jump on stuff you know you you see it in sports (laughs) commentary for us like for me i'm like a huge sports fan so i follow a lot of sports athletes in terms of like on espn and stuff and you read the comments below and it's everybody believes the same things lebron's a crybaby this is kevin everybody hates everything everyone hates everything it's like but it's like the same opinions that are they just kind of like just snowball into this huge effect where everyone says the same thing every time there's no like buddy thinking out there yeah that you have to kind of just go okay well i can correlate music to the sports world for me because that's what i kind of follow and to me you just I just don't think Kobe cares. I don't think and these guys care. And I just don't care enough to, mm-hmm. to really to worry about that. Yeah, because you just go out and play the, show, the, the songs and they go over really well live and you do things. And, and we could not have been more forthright in all of our interviews leading up to what we were releasing. Do you know what I mean? Like there's interviews that go back six months before that record. And we said, we wanted an old school record. These are going to sound like our favorite bands. These are going to just really take you back to this and that. And it comes out and they're like, oh my God, what the f- <laughs> so it's like how much can you warn somebody right so that's why i think on this record we've been a lot more silent we're gonna let people figure it out for themselves but i also think it's going to challenge people in a way that they're going to be like they either don't get it or they're going to get it which is going to be fun but won't they get it if they're avenged sevenfold fans unless you have a whole bunch of new fans that came on for hail to the king but- i think our fans have been with us for our hardcore fans are, have been with us for so long at this point that i don't think we could throw them a curveball that they couldn't knock out of them. yeah so that's that's one thing that I'm very thankful for. Like the fans are have been awesome all the way through. When we when we just put it out, they go, "Okay, cool. I'm going to come at it with an open mind." Yeah. And it's been it's been fantastic in that realm. Yeah, I think but I think note-wise in this record is going to throw some curveballs people. It's uh you know, it's the difference between that all those those Cornell vocal melodies or those Patton vocal melodies which are out. That's very much 
plays a part in this record where it's very the vocal melodies are out purposely which you mean by out out of out of the normal realm or out of tune or no no it's um it's hard to explain but it's you know out most, there no no like <laughs> so most if you listen to a pink floyd vocal melody or a chris cornell melody if you actually break that down they're doing a lot of rubbing on notes and they're doing a lot of things that that might not be per tradition. Yes, got it. We did that a ton on this record where we're constantly rubbing notes and doing things to kind of catch your ear. Um, And that's something that has really appealed to us um, in terms of some great vocalists that do that kind of stuff and and write those kind of songs. But you have to do it tastefully in a certain way. There's a a big difference between between doing a pop melody and doing something that a Chris Cornell would do Mm -hmm. or even an Axel at times. Like they're just, they're just, they kind of slither in and out of the notes and they kind of, is it really right or is it wrong? You don't Deftones really have done it for years. Deftones. It's another right. example of yeah. all those vocal melodies are what you would call out. They're they're I they, they're the, beautiful, but they're 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 gl- uh, gliding in and out of notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Absolutely. We talked about that earlier about like some of those early Iron Maiden records. How there's a lot of gliding in and out of the note. It may not be technically perfect, but it sounds yeah. cool. It sounds. That's cool. that's all that that's all that we're going for on this record too. Is just the personality had to come through on everything like. Mm-hmm. Vocals, guitars, drums, everything. We're like, wow, we have Brooks Wackerman playing the drums right now. Let him go off. And like, he does. Yeah, and that, he's a monster. Dude. And then Brooks was really, you know, he didn't want to have any drum editing done. It's just he comes from that old school. He didn't want to have any samples on his drums, which is awesome. And most people listening to this will be like, well, what are samples? Or, or I heard people do that. Well, 99% of the bands you listen to are playing have samples all over their drums and, that's, and what, just, what matt's saying is that they'll take the snare drum and then put a sample of another snare sound yeah. which is usually the black album uh lars ulrich snare mm-hmm. sound they'll tweak it a little tweak it There's and it's actually a program that's actually for that the the, the lars <laughs> snare sound i mean bob it's black Rock, it's album such, it's a black album the black <laughs> so there you go so every drums are going to sound the same no yeah. matter who's playing it yeah but that's not human because a drummer doesn't hit the snare the same hardness and the same sound every time totally. and the double kick you know comes off like you know we have a ton of respect for bands in our genre but the bottom line is a lot of those bands it's so mechanical and fake sounding and quantized and it just wears on you eventually and you don't know what it is it's just like yeah this all sounds too perfect Mm -hmm. and then you go see the band live and they sound better live because there's not all that mechanical stuff going on and and the records now it's scary for people to put out a record without all that stuff on it. Like I have so much respect for like the last faith, no more record or, or like the system of down records or the tool records. Those records are organic. You can tell there's nothing on them mm-hmm. and those are the band playing. And that's, that's something we wanted to really get back to on this record because you know, on hail of the King, we obviously use samples, you know, um, and just to make the drums beefier and bigger. And, and so you just want to, you know, we're the band that does one thing, and we want to do the exact opposite the next time. So this this one feels good. It feels Wake organic. up the next morning and <laughs> change it again. Yeah. <laughs> so how was it for you, Johnny? I never got a chance to ask you this. Obviously, being the bass player and having the rhythm section, and you played with the Rev, and then he passed away, and you played with Mike Portnoy, and then you played with Aaron, and now you played with Brooks. How, was it hard for you to to switch from drummer to drummer? To be honest, no, it wasn't difficult. It was more, I think. Jimmy actually playing with him for so many years actually kind of molded me into a better musician just playing off of him the whole time like he, I learned his groove and then I just kind of took that with everybody else after that and uh it ended up being good you know it ended up being great like uh Mike was awesome to play with because you know it was Mike Portnoy mm-hmm. and Aaron came in and he he was great he definitely had 
his groove, but it locked in pretty well with me. And then with Brooks now, it's just it's a little bit more back to Jimmy, to be honest. When I look back there, I see him going crazy with a stone face the whole time, and I'm going, <laughs> that reminds me of Jimmy. <laughs> and it's rad. It's he's got more of a more of a feel naturally um, because Jimmy had been a, f- a fan of Brooks from uh, Infectious Grooves and stuff. Like he has that groove, that funk element that can bring into metal, mm-hmm. and I think that. I think that's really a huge thing in uh, his new style or the new record and everything with him. Like he's just coming in and he's doing a lot of the stuff that I know Jimmy would have done too, Mm -hmm. but he's doing it his own way. You know, it's it's really cool. It's interesting to think that you mentioned infectious grooves and we're all fans of infectious here that their drummer is now in avenged and their bass player is now in Metallica. It's crazy. (laughs) Like what a freaking rhythm section they had. I know. Right. No, that's what everyone loved about. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. But yeah, I mean, we were talking about, I was talking about this other day with Brooks and the reason he didn't want to have any edits done to his drums is if you listen to like those old, and he was talking about this to Andy Wallace, listen to those old Slayer records when, Dave Lombardo's playing fast. It's got like a bounce to it that no one else has. Yes. It had like this groove. Like he was the only one that could make that band groove like that. I love Paul Bostaff as well. I love those records. But like there's just something about the the non-perfect feel of a human being and mm-hmm. just being a slaying drummer. And I think Brooks brings that to our band. Like Absolutely. if you touch that stuff, it takes it all out. And, you know, like it's like opening a can of worms. Like you, you fix a couple things here and there. All that groove goes away because now you're on a grid you might as well be playing hip hop or use, dance music or just know? use a drum machine yeah you might yeah. as well it's getting to that you're point you're right? it in anyways yeah you're, you're doing all the toms you're doing everything anyways so to me I think he was I love his attitude towards it it's just like this is how a human plays it and this is what this is how you keep personality in a band mm-hmm. so that's been fun yeah. having that it was the first time I think uh, I ever heard a blast beat with a groove. Totally. <laughs> he does this little shoulder thing. He literally is doing a blast beat and his shoulder's moving like he's like grooving. And we're like, dude, that shoulder never stops. It doesn't matter what he does. We're watching in the, in the, in the main room and watching him in the live room and just going, what the f*** up with that shoulder, dude? Yeah. And he's like, That's like he thing. said, he's just like stone cold stare straight ahead, like not even making a sweat, making blast beats that... You know, sound like he's from Norway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny is uh, he's like such a cool, cool, laid back, you know, yeah. total SoCal guy. Only time I ever saw him flustered is when you, you and him came to a Raw in Anaheim. They came to the WWE show. Oh, yeah. And Brooks had his twins with them who were going nuts. They were running. <laughs> one's over here. One's over there. One has to go to the bathroom. Out, one's dude. over there. Dude, he left about 10 minutes in. He yeah. couldn't take it anymore. He's like, I can't drive me crazy. Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> Kids will do that to you. Yeah, you know. that's right. Absolutely, they will. Absolutely, they will. That's one thing. Thing I was thinking about the Slayer thing too about Dave Lombardo before you before we move on is that I loved Slayer even when they had like you mentioned Blast Beat but they would always go to like that halftime with the with the ride symbol yeah. and nobody plays like that it yeah. adds so much of a vibe to it and that's what Brooks is doing as well yeah it's got to bounce man yeah it's, it's, did he have fun doing this considering that his last probably five six albums were with I Bad so. Religion <laughs> <laughs> he had a blast I think we we flustered him one day. We got we got him in a situation where, uh, you know, everyone's in the control room going, now add this, now do that. And you could tell he was just like, F- you guys, like, <laughs> I only have two hands and two legs. And well, he, was, he, he, he said, because he would still do it. It'd be like, it just, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't good enough for his standard. Yeah, he, yeah, had, yeah, he had yeah. everything written out and then to throw something on him that we felt could be even more insane sounding. 
Um, so he, he, he said, he's going home that day. I need to go home and practice this. <laughs> so he did and he came back and he nailed it, but it was, it was interesting to see. And I, we said, listen, dude, we're all going to have those days. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. All of us. We have all those days where I'm in the vocal booth. Like you guys. Yeah. Try this. Try <laughs> that. Yeah. It's it's like, Mickey, this sounds stupid. This sounds it's like, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Mickey D played on the, the Halloween record. I think it's rabbit. Don't come easy. Mm-hmm. And I guess, uh, Vikath had, uh, yeah, please have a beer. You're a rock star, man. You can drink my hey, whole, uh, hey, hey. Johnny Christ is now entering my, uh, my, uh, Oh, he pulled out the Dom Perignon. Oh no. I'll oh, just another beer. But, <laughs> is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so, uh, but Mickey, he had composed, Michael Vikath had composed all the drums on a drum machine and then gave them to Mickey to learn. And Mickey was like, I only have four limbs, man. It's like a, octopus needs yeah. to play this oh, totally. but that's the thing like try this try this just stop i can't do it it's yeah not, it's not humanly possible give me some time to figure this out yeah, Dude, exactly. we did the same we've done it multiple times where we write orchestration parts mm. and like they're way outside of the scales of where people can actually play them we're like we don't leave enough <laughs> breath for the brass players <laughs> like we need this to go for a good minute and a half without you know any and they're like what are you talking about or like call, that, that note doesn't exist on, on, on right. Right. they're like did you write this part on a keyboard when you were demoing it out? And like, like well, yeah. Like, oh, we can tell. Yeah. <laughs> or they're like, okay, guys, we have MIDI uh, examples. <laughs> doesn't work. Yeah, doesn't yeah. work that way at all. Yeah. Do you guys, I mean, the one thing I always say about Avenge that always impressed me from that time, you guys all came over to my house on your off day, all five guys. Uh, you guys are a real tight-knit group, the four of you now. Uh, is it hard to have a new guy come in? And conversely, Brooks is not here, but is it hard for Brooks to kind of break into the to the gang of four? To be honest, no. It's 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 actually been surprisingly pretty seamless i mean he he's brooks has a great personality on top of it and he and like you even touched upon he has that southern california mentality which obviously fits in very well and uh you know he comes in and he's funny he's has a he has a dark witty humor he has one drink when we're out at the bars, but he's still hanging out. <laughs> Everyone's like, preferably a pink drink <laughs> with an umbrella in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he actually, funny story. The other night, he actually made me order him a drink because I was closer to the bar, and I was offended to have to order it for him. Which <laughs> it was it? It was Malibu and pineapple juice or some shit. <laughs> we're in New York City, not Honolulu, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, every time. <laughs> but no, that- but he's been he's been absolutely great. He totally fits in with this group he's 100 percent in and uh like i said his wittiness it fits in so well like because he'll just he'll put in a little quip that'll that'll uh very dry call you out that'll call you out and you're like he's very that's quick, awesome yeah, 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 <laughs> so he's a seasoned vet too yeah, which is yeah. the same as you guys so yeah. he has that experience you don't as feel well. like you're getting into anything with him it's just like this is going to run really smooth. And right. I think we run our ship exactly how he wants to be in a band. It's not, there's no high pressure of things. We just give him the tour dates. We're doing it, figuring it out. Family can come if they want, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And and I think he really appreciates that. And it's a less grueling schedule than he's used to. It's kind of more relaxed. Mm-hmm. You know, when we told him, you know, we don't do huge, long tours in Europe, he was really relieved with that because you're away from your family for so long. And Worst. it's like, yeah, it's really, it's not anything against Europe it's just man you don't want to be there for five six weeks mm-hmm. why, don't, why don't we do two weeks go home for a week come back go home for then everyone it's like a lot more relaxed and I think he is really excited about that whole prospect of it at Bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment 
It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. New Event Sevenfold Stage came out on Friday. Big surprise release. And I'm sitting here with bass player Johnny Christ and my boy M. Shadows. Um, there are lots of parallels between Avenged and Metallica. Yeah. Have you learned from them or have you picked up some tips from them? I think... Uh they've had such a strong prominent career that they're obviously doing a bunch of things right i think they have a lot of per- personality clashes as well i'm sure mm-hmm. you know just going out to dinner with them you can tell they're all just different people and i think as we get older we're all different people and we need to be respectful of each other and if people you know people have kids some don't some want to have kids and some and, and so you have to get on a schedule where it works for everybody and you watch them and yeah they don't that's a band that can afford to fly themselves on vacation every week, mm-hmm. but they still choose to do the two weeks or a week on and they, and they get out of there mm-hmm. and they kind of recharge the batteries and get back, back at it. And I think one of our biggest problems when we were first starting, we had no option was we're in Europe for six, seven weeks at a time. And we had to cancel a whole UK tour because we were like, okay, we got eight weeks here, then four weeks at, you know, in America, then four weeks in South America. And then we have another six weeks in Europe, we're like cancel Europe. And then, mm-hmm. and cause you can't handle that as, right. a, as, a, as a human, human being. being. Yeah, you just can't handle it. And it becomes Especially like the anxiety. touring life at that time, too. Is yeah, like... it was much harder. <laughs> Johnny hasn't changed much. <laughs> just give... I, I'm still in that van where I was sitting across from Matt, like literally with the table just like this. And we we're just, and I'm going backwards. The yeah, whole you're time. going backwards. Over. <laughs> Let's talk about that some of those old days. You t- when was that? Was that like a warp tour? Or was that like. Oh, a... no. That was when. Uh, that was Lost, Lost Profits. Like, they... In Europe? Uh, in UK. It was our first time in. Actually, anywhere outside of it the... It was like 24 dates in the UK alone. Yeah. Can you imagine wow. that? I mean, it was crazy. Like, you're going to every little Yeovil every and Middlesbrough. By the way, our driver was also our tech. <laughs> and he was pissed. And, and he was mad up the whole time. <laughs> he was a great dude, but it was like, how can anyone handle that? No, you're right. driving the band, then you have to get out and tune everyone's guitars and do all this stuff, and then... <laughs> It's like crazy. I asked him one day if he would, if he would uh, change the strings on my bass, and he said, well, no, I think you should do that yourself. I went, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Best tech ever. <laughs> uh, was that your, your first few tours? Was that your first time? I imagine both of you guys had ever been overseas. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know? it was the first time. We were, it was crazy. And, then, and to be honest, Lost Profits were really big at the time. They were drawing... You know, doing all of those like twenty five hundred, okay, sell out the uh, you know the the universities how they do yeah, it the there. academies and those type. And things. It was yeah. great. I mean, it was a great tour for us. Who else was it the Bronx on that with us? The Bronx were on it, yes. Or, or no, funeral for a friend. I think it was Bronx. Okay, so there was a bunch of, <laughs> it was one of those tours, anyways, and and you got to do Brixton for the first time, which was like five thousand cap. It was yeah. awesome. And yeah, I remember was... the promoter coming up to us going, "You guys will do this someday," and I was like. No way, man. I was like, yeah, I think so. Like, there's no way. You got you to throw out the confidence first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. We got this. Uh, so, no, those tour, I mean, those sort of tours were awesome. We had so many things where you walk into like Rock and Park and your sound guy quit the night before and <laughs> you're asking Shadows Falls guy to do it and he comes over, never even heard the music. Yes. And, and you're just like, now I would not, I could not even imagine rolling into like a 60,000 packed middle of the day show where you the sound guys never heard a song <laughs> you're like if people only knew what we go through sometimes to get the show to put the show on yeah 
we had Vakken one time where our sound guy uh, apparently didn't know he was supposed to be there. Our tour manager was stuck over in another country. Our bass player well, was not there, and we lost all our guitars. So Scott Ian gave us his guitar. Anthrax lent us our sound guy. Uh, we had our tech play bass. And it still was a good gig, but it's like Vakken. Yeah. Our first time at Vakken, the biggest freaking festival. That's amazing. But what do you do, right? That. That's that's crazy. That's, that's, I know. And people have no ears up there. They have no clue all the shit that doesn't want to No on. idea. All you got to do is just rock. experience, actually, when we were opening up for uh, GNR in, was it? Paris, right? Paris or, or Czech Republic? Was it Prague? Prague I think it might have been Prague. All of our stuff didn't make it to the to the show. Like It was on a truck like way behind us. We're like, well, we got to go on. And Sebastian Bach actually allowed us to go on after them at the point when we were flip flop. Oh. So he was. It he was, was Ben cool. Sevenfold, Sebastian Bach, and Guns N' Roses. Yes. Wow. And we were able to go. Oh, on. wait. Didn't we play. It was them first, though. They played first. Yeah, okay. But that wasn't the normal lineup, I don't think. They played first because we were still. No, no, it was the normal lineup. Was that the normal Yeah, lineup? it was right when City of Evil came out. We were. Okay. Big boys, we got to yeah, we, <laughs> Sebastian Bach. We're swinging it. We're swinging time, it. No, no. And, he was, and by the way, by the way, he was great. He was, he was so nice he's to the, us. He's, he's a, a great guy. Dude. Yeah, but um, dude. the uh, uh, I remember that was when like Axel hadn't even left London yet. No, and we were already off stage. And you were in Prague. Prague. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and he showed up really late. I mean, that was just a different era. It was that yeah. it was that era of GNR, and it was our our first show playing it with them, and it was it was awesome now i mean it was so it cool to be on so cool it's it so cool playing a show with them you know you just don't know how long those guys are going to last like the, right. the big rock bands and if you get to do a couple tours or shows i mean we've obviously been lucky enough to have 12 more years of getting to see guns N' roses and now the reunion it's great but you just never know at that time sure you just like we're, we have to play the axles is like who we grew up and you're obviously on. influenced by axel Absolutely. especially that era no you had no the no you can't the, hear that at all <laughs> you can't hear it or see it <laughs> Backwards hat, do rag, shades, you know. <laughs> Did you ever have any interactions with Axel at all? Did you ever see him around? Or You know, Sebastian one night took us to his backstage after the show, like his room, and he was the most chill, great dude ever. It was awesome. He yeah. just chilling, talking. All the stuff you'd heard about him was just like, didn't well, Jimmy had a make... good night with, with, Jimmy with Axel night with and, and Sebastian. They, he went out to... Some clubs was that also in Prague? I think it was after the first. It was show. in Prague. Yep. Yeah, and uh, he he came back with a, with a story, man. And Lots it was, of stories. It was fantastic. <laughs> what a trio that is. <laughs> yeah, great. I also met him at a corn uh, CD release party. I was with Benji and Joel, and Axel actually came up to me and said, "Hey, I wanted to thank you for the nice things you said about me in the press." And I took a picture with him, and it was awesome. That's cool. Like it was, it was like he just came out of hiding because mm-hmm. he had the braids, he had the, he had the, the hockey the jersey, braids. yeah, that era. And he was, it was that era, and like no one had seen him for years, and he just showed up to this thing, and he was mm-hmm. super cool. Yeah, Axel's always been really nice to us. Even the little bit that I got to hang out with him, it was he was always very cool. So. You guys got to open for the biggest of the big. Is Iron Maiden is in there, and, and mm-hmm. Metallica you opened for them, and I mean all, all those bands, bands I grew up listening to. <laughs> like, no kidding, it's, huh? It's, it's, it was unbelievable. My first show ever was a Metallica show. I obviously, grew up loving Steve Harris, you know, and meeting him. You can hear, him was you can awesome. hear that. And Did you then, ever meet him? Yeah, yeah. He's you know he's he's, he's the sweetest dude. Yeah, all those bands treated us really, really well. so that's always that's like the biggest thing we've learned from them if not anything musically it's all about how you not only maintain a career but how you treat the opening bands Mm -hmm. you know just try to be as accommodating as possible because they are coming in in a van that you know that they've been driving around and it's not as 
luxurious of what you came in. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 harder. And, and so we you, and we came from that too, so we understand. Well, that's it. what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. We did it forever, and we know what what happens when you just sleep all night. And your warp tours are all were in yeah. vans for you guys, right? Wow, and the warp tours were the till craziest. Till it closes, and then you pack up your shit and you drive. You know, sometimes eight to twelve hours, and then you roll in as the show's starting again because you just. And you might be the first band on. Yeah. In the, yeah. Park, in the parking lot. If they see you rolling in late, you will be the first band on. <laughs> Kevin Lyman special. <laughs> oh, you partied with me last night. Okay, you guys uh, are first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That was hilarious. It was like an ongoing joke on that tour. I it was like, it, if you party with Kevin Lyman, you are going on first, first the next day. Well, it was the worst when we actually went out on that uh, houseboat with him. And then the next day we, we had to, I was like, yeah. you were on a houseboat on the day off with me. And you're going to put me on at 1030? Get out of here, dude. <laughs> well, he did that to us in our hometown, too. <laughs> yeah, we all slept in, and we got a call, and they're like, you guys are on in 30 minutes. We're like, we can't make it. <laughs> and, and then he let us play later, but it was like, like put us on at 10.30 really, or 11 o'clock. Yeah, I, I've, always, I've always loved hanging out with Kevin, though. He's, he's, he's rad. But. Especially if, if he didn't put you on first the next day. Oh, I, I very much appreciated that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, uh, we used to go to Orlando and do a bunch of TVs there when I was in WCW. And it was when downtown Disney was really hot. And they had this place called 8 Tracks, which was like a disco club. So everyone would just go there. And this is when Ecstasy first came out. So everyone would take Ecstasy and drink and just hang out, listen to the disco and dance, dance, dance. And the one night I saw the booker, uh, Kevin Sullivan, he's like the boss. And he was in the corner watching me. And I was like, what the hell is he looking at me for? I came the next day. I had four matches the next day. Day. Uh. <laughs> one at 11, one at one, one at three. No, one at nine, one at 11, one at one, and one at three. Wasn't, he, was, the, wasn't he the guy that uh, fronted uh, the NWO and everything like that? That's no, that was Eric Bischoff was Eric the boss. Bischoff. Yeah, but That's Kevin right. Sullivan was the booker. He's the guy who puts the, the matches okay, together okay, and gotcha, stuff. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. yeah. So it was like, God, he, got, he saw me partying, and he saw me put me on fire times, <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning, still drunk and high. So, <laughs> it's so good, dude. yeah, the wrestler life is like rock and roll. You're, you're going for a for a little uh, little grab, and you tell the other guy, "I've been out what? Oh yeah, last night. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> dude. I got a terrible hangover, man. If he's your friend, he takes it easy. If it's yeah. someone you don't know, they just give you a big shoulder tackle or a big clothesline or something. He's like, dude, I told you, my head's gonna fall off. <laughs> you know, that's the worst feeling. You know, I'm sure you guys have been through that before, playing shows, hungover, and out of it. And- well, he, did, he usually doesn't clothesline me, but I, I, I get the idea. <laughs> Body slams only. It's it's easier though if you're actually a musician. If you're if you're if you're like a guitar player, bass player, singer, you can't do that. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever really walked on stage hungover because I won't drink the night before shows. Yeah. It's just because it is too brutal, yeah. you know, from the early days. Like I've had a couple of shows where I remember looking to Jimmy and I've like mouthed to him, get me out of here. And he's like, <laughs> me too. Like we're both dying, you know, yeah. it's like and... warped tour days for sure. Because I remember one in Cleveland we played and I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to do this. In the earlier days, you used to party yeah. a little bit before, yeah. but like it just, now if you, you have learned. a two hour set, there's no way. No, right. You can't. And by the way, if you blow it out one night, it's done. It's like it ain't coming back for the next show. Yeah, vocally, that's right. Yeah. And a day off doesn't do anything no, either. Not enough. You know? And it's a horrible feeling when you start to feel like, especially if you start getting a little sick, or yeah. you're talking about Europe where it's always raining and wet, when you start feeling that little tickle creep in there, it's the worst feeling in the world as a singer. you know you're in trouble for a yeah. week. Yeah. yeah, you start drinking tea and drinking hot water and all that sort of stuff, yeah. you know? So you're talking about you know, the early days, but now you're playing stadiums with Metallica, which is huge, <laughs> huge, huge, the other side of the coin. Uh, is this something that, that we could be seeing more of, maybe? I mean, it's a huge bill. It's a great idea. Well, obviously, that's up to them. Yeah. You know? I mean, that, they, they hold the, the keys to that, but I think they're happy with as quick as it sold out. And I think um, it sold out within like a day or something, right? Yeah, and I know Lars and them went to the radio stations there and said, "Well, who's 
who's the biggest like band of that generation that's going to kind of help the draw? Mm-hmm. And they said Avenged, because I know that because they called me and said, dude, we put your name in for the Metallica thing, and the next thing we know, Lars. Radio station. Yeah. Wow. So 93X, the guy, Pablo over there, he's a great guy. So we knew our the name had been put in there. Of course, they're obviously aware of us, uh, Metallica, and so got a call from Lars, did you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. But we didn't expect to sell out in 10 minutes. That was 10 nuts. minutes? 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes. Now, listen, I mean, obviously, Metallica is Metallica. That was yeah. all us, though. Well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, right? It <laughs> that was, was before was... they were announced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the tickets for Metallica sold out in one minute. The tickets for Avenged took nine minutes. Yeah, it took nine minutes. <laughs> a bunch of hacks. <laughs> then they found that Johnny Christ was on the show, and they actually had to vote 10,000 so that, refunds. That's really what I heard. <laughs> so that's, that's, what, that's, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I mean, so do you speak to Lars about this? Like, dude, we sold out in 10 minutes? or like I hit him up and said, that was pretty sick, and he was like, dude, 10 minutes, that's awesome. You know, he's excited. I mean, how could you not be excited? I don't care how big you are. It's a, it's that's a stadium. Right. That's right. We played a, a we did a, a tour with Slash last year, and we sold out a couple of gigs. One in Chicago, and I just saw the picture. It was like Slash, Fozzy, and sold out. And I sent it to him. He's like, "Dude, that's the coolest thing." I'm gonna print it out. Like, yeah, come on, man. He goes, "No." He goes, "A sellout is a sellout is a sellout." Feels good. Absolutely. Don't matter if you are playing a hundred thousand or a hundred. A sellout means it's you can go bigger. Absolutely. Okay? You know, and that's what you want. Absolutely. And you think like ten minutes? You think well, how, how big could these guys play? You know, it's yeah. just crazy. I know How a lot many of people tell Could we do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to do night two by ourselves. And... Well, the next the next bill is actually going to be us above Metallica. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be <laughs> yeah. a lot smaller room, maybe. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's... we're playing the thousand seat. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great for rock and roll. Like when you get that. Like that's why I love the Guns N' Roses reunion. I loved, you know, the controversy or not ACDC with with Axel and the band. It yeah. sells tickets. Yeah. Which that's what rock and roll is now because like we talked about earlier records don't really record sales don't really exist anymore well it's very interesting you know we have a lot of friends that do different types of music and you know they have huge social media bases but it's very hard to sell records very hard to do concerts the one thing about rock is we're able to kind of keep off the radar but we do these shows and we're, we're lucky because we have all these bands that are willing to do these big festivals like rock in the range or rock in rio and you have bands like metallica that can still sell out stadiums to me, it's the one thing that rock has that no one else does, which is pretty exciting. People come out to shows, mm-hmm. and they love being at the rock shows. And to me, that's it's just very special. Because if you don't have that, then there's really not that many bright elements to the music industry at all. But live shows are it, man. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a culture. Especially like the metal and hard rock brings everything together. It's like It's a culture. You see people out at these festivals, and you're like, what is your nine to five like? Like, and you just show up, and you got all of a sudden. I don't see you anywhere else, but at at the festival, yeah. you, you've got a you've got a cut off shirt, and like you're you're ready to go, dude. When I went to Metallica at, at that pond one time, I roll. I've never seen so many people with long hair anywhere in Southern California. <laughs> like, well, where? No, it was the it was the yeah. pond. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like. I was like, where do these people are coming out of the woodworks? Like, <laughs> why don't I ever see you yeah, like every day? You any, I've, I've never seen any of these people. And there's 15,000 people with long hair here yeah. just going crazy. It's just a culture, man. Like, yeah, they, it's they, cool. They, they, they do their thing all day long, and they, but they listen to metal, and they just want to come out. And when they come out, they f- come out. And that's a great See, thing. See, that's the beautiful thing about it. And I'm, I'm so glad now with the Danny Wimmer festivals over here in this yeah. country, finally we're getting what the people in Europe have been getting for years, which is this great day, two-day experience Absolutely. where people come. Like when I saw you guys uh, at Download two years ago, 
you guys headlined and we were on the next band. I think we were the, no, we were the second band on that stage the next day. And there wasn't as many people as it was for you guys, but it was pretty freaking close. I'm like, you guys just basically just stayed here all night. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, like, oh, yeah. No one's going in and no one's like hung over. Like they were there at 1130. We were on like 12. They're, they're, they're living it. There. They're living it. They, they you want, know? that's what they set up for. They plan for a long time. And then they just go in and enjoy some hard rock. It's, but that's it's like there's a little bit of snobbery, I think, in other genres where people just show up for the headliners. Yeah, oh, not yeah, so much at the totally. festivals, man. People point. go all day. People want to hear new bands, and it's pretty cool. Be a part of the whole experience. It's, 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 how, it's, how did you feel? I think you know, talking about the the, the 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 pros and cons, if there was any, about Hill of the King, it definitely put you guys on, on the map bigger, made you a bigger band. To the fact that you did headline Download, yeah. which is a huge deal because, like you just said, there's Sabbath, there's Maiden, there's ACDC, there's the Ramsteins and those type of bands, Aerosmith. But the next level, there's none except for now you guys are finally on that level, which is great. Yeah, I mean, we don't really consider ourselves on that level yet, but we definitely are. To headline very, download, I mean. We're very aware of our situation where we need other bands that are going to kind of do this with us, or it's going to be, there's going to be some, some trouble for mm-hmm. the future headliners. And, the, right. and people have been saying it for a long time, you know, people need to, you know, I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the idea that radio has really changed a lot. I mean, there's no doubt that when Ozzy was being played on radio and when, you know, GNR was being played on radio, that has an effect. And, and the, the normal fan that's not going to go out and search for those bands and, and go to the show, they, they, they were forced to hear it and they became rock fans. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you don't have that outlet, it, 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 it's hard for the scene to have everybody get into one or two bands and, and create champion headliners. them. Yeah, because a lot of people that listen to rock now are kind of searching out all the bands and they like this and they don't like that and they don't really want to support that and it's just tougher because there's not as many people listening to rock music, even though mm-hmm. the people that are, are great. Mm-hmm. But you can't help but admit that if Ozzy Osbourne was being played on pop radio today, there would be a lot of young kids listening to Ozzy Osbourne. Of course. Instead, there's a lot of people that, unless your dad listens to it and your cousin and you've searched it out, then how are you going to hear about the good yes. rock bands? It's just really hard. It's difficult. It's almost become an older generation thing. Whereas, you know, when I was in high school, Ozzy was played on pop radio. Exactly. You know, I remember the the tune he did with Lita Ford was all over top forty radio. Yeah. Uh, Close my eyes forever. There was always those type of Bon Jovi or you yeah. know those type of bands. Van Halen always were on that rock radio that was filled with you know the other top forty tunes. Yep. It was KNAC for us in Southern California. Sure. <laughs> Ninety two City FM for me in Winnipeg. Shout out. But I mean, even like K Rock used to play heavier stuff. You know, yeah. they, they were still sure. playing. You know, Rage's Machines and the, you know, they were playing the heavier side. Even when punk was big, they were playing the Offspring and playing mm-hmm. Greedy at the first time. Rancid. He's punk, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were playing what was on the cutting edge. And right now, it's definitely not our genre. But so, where, where, so where does Avenged Sevenfold get played on the radio? Um, Everywhere I else. live in California. <laughs> I live in California, so I don't hear it. So yeah, I don't know. and if you live in New York, we're in New York now. You don't yeah. hear it. That's it. You got to be in Madison, Wisconsin, and, and you yeah. know, uh, you know, Fargo, North Dakota, and those type of places. And you got like things like Octane, which Octane, obviously played yeah. over. But it, yeah, there's no. It's just interesting, you know. It is what it is, and it's really like beating a dead horse when you hear bands complain about it and this and that, talk about it all the time. But to me, it's just it is what it is. You and, have to adapt and move on. And I also think bands need to start writing really great songs yeah it will come back yeah if you write great songs at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I love the fact that your first single from the record, uh, which is the eight-minute tune, is the stage, It's actually right? 840 now. 840? <laughs> we added a little we bit. We added a little we bit. Thought we thought it was a little short. <laughs> yeah, this needs another solo in it. Yeah. That's the title track, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's the stage. Yeah. So uh, the fact you released that to radio... A is got shows you got balls the size of elephants because it's like I'm sure radio programmers are pissing their pants going what yeah but for you guys you do this to me you're like hey this is what we do and and you know like it or not well we're going purely basically on what we think the fans will be most excited about mm. and there's obviously other things on the record that you could maybe get played on the radio more but and it's no just to radio it's just but it's more like if you want the fans to care about the bands you're playing. And let us do this first. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like this to me would speak to me as a kid. Um, it speaks to me more now as a 34 year old adult. Cause it's so different. Yeah, exactly. That's why it works. Exactly. Every, everyone wants a breath of fresh air and that's, you know, and, and to be honest, like, we wrote the song and we're really proud of it. And it's the one that it's going to be the first song on the record. So it's the title that's, track. That's it's the first it's title track that that's what we did on this record. And this is kind of encompasses it all. Mm-hmm. Um, not everything, but it encompasses a lot of it. And now it's like, well, you just got you got. It's just a no brainer, except for the eight minute and forty second part. <laughs> <laughs> but see, here's a great see, story. But that's the other thing is time just doesn't matter. <laughs> it just goes by like that. <laughs> Time's not real. <laughs> it's just a measurement. It's not a real thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but see, here, here's is a great quote. I'm sure you, you, if you haven't heard this, you're gonna love it. When the Beatles wanted to release "Hey Jude" as a single, it's six minutes whatever yeah. seconds the the capital records was like no one's going to play this and john john lennon said yeah they'll play it because it's us it's yeah. the beatles wow. they'll play it yeah so take it and play it you know yeah i mean and that and that's the beauty of it because because it's avenged sevenfold did you just compare us to the beatles i just did <laughs> that's pretty yes I think you should, i'm gonna jump out this window right now did you did you spike my water johnny christ <laughs> But uh, I mean, that's that to me is is the brilliance of like if if uh, uh, you know if it was another band trying to do this, it probably wouldn't get any traction. You guys will get it just because. Oh, it's Avenged Sevenfold. What are we supposed to do? Well, I think we've done like a we have a good relationship with a lot of the radio. You know, right, a lot of radio people, and I think we've had plenty of songs to where a lot of them work. And I think hopefully they give us the a little bit of leeway on this and say, well, if this is what they think is going to be. Like, give it a try. See what happens. Mm-hmm. I can't see putting this out there and it people going, oh, I can't stand that song because it's too long. Yeah. You know, I just don't. They yeah. might. There's obviously people that would be like that, but but they uh, might have to be retrained. Yeah, you know, it's like Bohemian Rhapsody. We talked about that when you yeah. first told me that the single's eight minutes. I'm like, well, yeah, it sure sucked when Hey Jude and Bohemian Rhapsody failed for those songs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bohemian Rhapsody is a lot shorter than this one. <laughs> it's about it's it's six, six. It's sorry, like so almost six. I think it's five. Oh, yeah, five, five and change. I've looked. This, <laughs> oh, we looked at. It. We were like, oh, we're really gonna do this? Yep, yeah, we're gonna do this. No, Bohemian Rhapsody feels. Like I mean, it's our like biggest song list. ever for radio has been Nightmare, and that's six and a half yep. minutes. Was yep. there an edit on it? Not for us. No, the only edit would be like when it repeats Nightmare at the sure, end a bunch sure. of times. But sure. not, no, we didn't even give them an edit, and they just play it. They just had to. F, they had to. Uh, well, they put the took that yeah. effort out. It's your yeah. nightmare. <laughs> I went in there and re-recorded freaking nightmare. <laughs> You're flipping nightmare. You're flipping nightmare. What was, what You're was fudging the one in nightmare. We, we got you to say one time the 
Pesadilla, pesadilla. Is that, yeah, yeah. Is that uh, you say in Spanish? pesadilla or some shit like that? Oh, yeah, dude. These guys are like, you got to go out there. <laughs> We're playing, you know, in Mexico City. And you say, pinche pesadilla instead of your fucking nightmare. And I'm like, dude, no, it's not going to go over. Like, it's going to go crazy. So I go and do it the first it. verse and everyone just staring at me. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what does that even mean? My band oh, is fucking nightmare. Fucking nightmare. It's, it's, nightmare. Fucking nightmare. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> It was See, the greatest idea start that with, Matt ever had. Yeah. If it didn't start with two P's, it would probably go. See, the people hate that too. Like when you try and uh, when you try and speak the language, oh, yeah. they, like it happens all the time with WWE. If they, if you they would try and say someone's word name in Spanish, or you just like, no, we want to hear it in English yeah, the way that we to. know it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I, I, I f- with it. You know? no, no, no. We we made you. F- I know. We thought it was all a good idea. Pinche <laughs> Pasadena. What is it? Pasadena? Pinche Pasadena. Pasadena. <laughs> I'm going to sing that every time. Yeah, <laughs> and there's like no music going on there. You know, it's like. It's all mad by Up on the riser, just going for it. Oh, it's definitely on YouTube. Just feel the bubble bursting. Yeah, dude. It's funny. I was going to say Master of Puppets is another song that's about eight minutes and 30 seconds that gets played in its entirety. Yeah. So there you go. That's right. That's a good one. And so is uh, is it no more tears? Not no more tears. It's, yeah, uh, more tears. no more tears. Yeah, no more tears. Yeah, no more tears. That's a six minutes plus, maybe even more. Wait, wait, that's, wait. Hold on. I'm sure someone will uh, will send us the actual time of yeah, no, more gonna, tears. No, no, no more tears. No more tears. Talk is Jericho. Like, you guys it's were like eight idiots. minutes. Is it? Yeah, it's <laughs> seven minutes and twenty five seconds. Don't you know? I think it's eight minutes. We're gonna check it out and find out for sure. I'll tell a quick story. Uh, so, so um, Charlie Benanti, when he toured with with Metallica, actually the tour that Cliff passed away, he was always wondering what James said before the solo in Master of Puppets. You know, it's like laughing at my cries. Right, seven twenty-five. So seven twenty-five. So he was always asking, like, what is that? what is he saying? So he went to Cliff Burton and said, "What does he? What does James say before the solo?" And uh, and uh, Cliff told him, "Pancakes." No, it's really fix me. But pancakes is like master laughing at my cries. Pancakes. Nice. So dude. yeah. So there you go. Pancakes. Uh, pinch of Pasadena. That's almost as good as Axel saying Cool Ranch dressing. Oh, I love that. You heard one. that pretty no? tied up. Oh yeah. Does he in the actual recorded song? Oh, yeah. It's it's just, cool it, it, if he's not saying that, he's just pronouncing it in a different way, but it sounds no, like No, he says cool ranch dressing. Because <laughs> if you look at all the lyrics, he just says cool ranch dressing. In, in what yeah. part? It's in Pretty Tied Up, and it's like in a break, and he does like a low voice, and it says cool ranch dressing. He must have been into it at the time. Cool Dude, ranch dressing. Pancakes. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> well, just, the, song, the song, I mean... It, it makes sense with the lyrical content of the song. I mean, All right, so with some chick that gets tied up, yeah, some hooker gets tied up. Gonna throw some cool ranch. Yeah, sure, man. Maybe he needs a break. He needs a snack in between banging her. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he needs that. <laughs> a couple more things uh, you mentioned before. I love the fact that with uh, Avenged Sevenfold in this day and age, with so much social media and everybody's all over it, and there's like you know Instagram and, and and Twitter and Facebook, and you guys basically have none of that. I mean, you have an official account, but there's no M Shadows and there's no you know Johnny Cry. And is this a concerted thing, or do you just want to try and be mysterious? I personally, I I don't like talking about how I feel about that stuff because everybody has it. My friends have it, right? And I don't, I don't have anything against it. For me, it's just not for me. I have no like want to show everybody what I'm doing or what I think about everything. Mm-hmm. It's just not for me. Right. So um, it seems to be a whole band edict. Yeah. Well, we also see how. We ha- we see how things get just crazy. Like people start caring about how many likes they have, and they start caring about how people are responding to things. And like, it's almost like this whole 
it becomes this thing that it doesn't have to be. It becomes addictive. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it does. And yeah. so to me, um, I honestly just don't want any part of that in my life because I really don't want to have to, as Kanye says, crowdsource Instagram comments <laughs> for, inst- for, you know, like yeah. it's like, it's like you get these comments and of course you're going to look at them mm-hmm. and I don't want to live a life where it's commented on all day. And I'm sure there's a way to do it where you can, I just don't know what I would ever share with the world. Like I, I just well, don't, the thing is you're a celebrity. So people would want to know, they want to know. Yeah. But like, I would rather talk about whether it's sports or politics or this and that. And I, I feel like if I did that, people were like, dude, tell us about your band. Yeah, right, right. And if I did it about the band, I don't want to be completely wrapped up with that all day. Mm-hmm, I like mm-hmm. to keep that behind closed doors because I like how our process is very secretive and it's very, but I love that too. It's what we do. It's like we get, we get in a room together and we all know how we work individually, but no one else knows how anything works in this band. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that. I don't think they should have, to pipe their opinions in about it. Yeah, you, <laughs> you don't know, need we, to know the well, tricks. Yeah, if they're piping their opinions about it, then it changes the whole, yeah, the whole dynamic anyway. And that's all people is, do anyway. It's not like yeah. you're going to set it up and everyone's going to just not comment on everything you have. To, I just don't Absolutely. have. I just don't ha- see any reason right. to do it. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't necessarily bother me. It just I just don't see the the plus side the mm-hmm. benefit. Yeah, to me, it's I I totally agree. It's just uh, you know, I I would definitely uh. I understand what Instagram does and everything like that and Facebook and all this, all this stuff. Uh, I'm going to sound really old, but by the way, while I'm talking about this, <laughs> I understand everything that it does. It gets everything out there and it's great. But for me, I don't want everyone to know everything about me mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Oh, they would hate you. They would, des- <laughs> they would despise me. Every, every little girl out there that was like, Oh, I'm Johnny Curry's my favorite. They'd be like, that guy's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get the name Johnny Christ, by the way? Actually, uh, Zach was the one that came up with that idea. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I like it. And we just went with it. Now, Matt, what's the real reason? Uh, dude, Zach came up with it. I don't know. <laughs> Call him Johnny Christ. I don't know, man. We, uh... It was before I was legally able to drink wine, so I don't think it had anything to do with that. <laughs> you'd, be Johnny, you'd be Johnny Merlot. <laughs> Dude, that would be cool. That would be way cooler. Now that you're the change all of our names. Now that you're the big leagues. (laughs) What was the mindset quickly behind that? The names. Yeah. Oh, dude, our favorite bands had names. You know, Guns, Molly Crew, Ramones. Like it was funny. I was in the car today going to meet up with a friend, and I was in the car. They're talking about the Guns N' Roses show coming up at MetLife, and you know, I was talking. I was thinking about how everyone gives us shit for our names. Mm. She's like. Guns and Roses, they're back together. Axel, Slash, and Duff. And yeah. I'm like, dude, it's awesome. It's so and, bizarre. But you, but you think about that. Like, you definitely think about that. You know who they are and everything about them. Sure. Just off that. By name. the name. Like, uh, 100%. I always felt bad for Steven Adler because he didn't get one. It was Izzy, Axel, Duff, Slash, Steven I'm Adler. More, I'm worried yeah. about what Brooks is going to do now. <laughs> That's what I said. He has, <laughs> but he has Wackerman as his last <laughs> name. Yeah, yeah. We, no, we, we, before we just said his name is now W. Ackerman. Yeah. <laughs> That's Perfect. pretty good. That's pretty good. I like it. <laughs> so did you get shadows just because it's creepy? Or? I don't know, man. <laughs> you're 17, whatever. I was 17, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> now you're M for the rest of your life. I'm M for the rest of my life. <laughs> last question. What's your favorite songs in the new record? Although it's hard to say that sometimes, but today, yeah, right, <laughs> it's always going to change. Mm-hmm. Mine personal right now, and I know it's just fresh, but uh, uh, Sunny Disposition mm-hmm. right now to me is uh, it just has so much flavor to it that it really it just makes me smile when I listen to it, and that's I I I love that song. There's a lot of other great songs, but that one just makes me smile. Mm-hmm. So right now. That's what I've been to. What's your favorite song to play live out of all your songs? Out of all of our songs? Yeah. 
Shit. Probably a little piece of heaven. It's just such a great it's just, tune. It's just, and again, it's because I like the fun shit. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a fun song to play. Yeah. M? Uh, my favorite song on the record would be Exist or The Stage. And um, my favorite song to play live, Buried Alive. Oh, yeah. yeah that's a good, yeah. Great tune. That's a fun one to play. Great too. tune. It's going to be hard now. Like, what songs do you drop? When you have to put together the set list, that's you know always what I'm the, thinking about. I'm trying to think long term on this at this point, and it might be smart to play a, a lot of heavy on the new stuff. That mm-hmm. way, the second time you come through, you can play more mm-hmm. hits based. Mm-hmm. I smart. think if you do it too quick, then you're stuck. Then you're like, okay, do we play the new record right. two years after it's out? Mm-hmm. And I think Maiden's done a really good job of keeping things interesting because they they go heavy on new stuff, mm-hmm. but they also put a lot of the old stuff in there. But I think they've done done it to where every one of their tours is very themed and you know what you're going to get and that's mm-hmm. cool. Where I think a lot of other bands get stuck playing the same songs over and over and then, then you go to a show that's very, you know, very samey. Yeah, yeah. But you respect that about me and you know what you're going to get. Totally. It is going to be heavy on new material. And I like and that. people bitch about it all the time. I'm like, why would they spend so much time on a new record and not want to play it? And they put out good records. And it's great. So, yeah, Book of Souls yeah. is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. so just sit so back good. and enjoy it, man. You know? Totally. Well, you get that as the band gets bigger, there's always always going to be people that don't get the new stuff or they don't want to try to get into it. And you got to think, emotionally, people are going to be attached to whatever record they got into first. Mm-hmm. And that's never going to change. So and I and I get cuz I've gone and seen some classic rock bands recently I went and saw you know Scorpions and Queensryche and they play they're very heavy on the old stuff mm-hmm. and I get it for that type of crowd I get it but I would like to kind of start conditioning people to give them things that they don't necessarily know what they're going to get and if they do it's going to be new with old or you're going to get all old or you're going to get this era or you're going to get mm-hmm. that that might be cool to start doing you know so for right now We'll, we'll, I don't know what we're going to drop. Deal with it when you we'll get deal there. We'll deal with it when we get there. <laughs> All right, man. M Shadows, the coolest guy in Avenged, and Johnny Christ, the most despised. New album. <laughs> Absolutely. It's awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, dude. Thanks, dude. All right, Avenged Sevenfold's brand new studio album, The Stage, is out now. The big surprise release last Friday, October 28th. Nobody knew about it. They just dropped it, and what a huge, uh, a huge kerfuffle it's causing. Everybody's freaking out over the fact the new album exists and how great it is. If you haven't heard The Stage and you like Avenged Sevenfold, go check it out now. It's one of the best records they've ever done. Uh, it's fast. It's heavy. It's intricate. Great tempo changes. Great singing. Great guitar playing. Great drumming. Everything you want in Avenged Sevenfold is on this record. The stage is out now. Okay, uh, they're going to keep evolving, and that means more music for you. All right. Like they said, this album is going to continue to grow. There's going to be new songs coming out on this album over the next few months. You're going to want to check it out, and you can get it now. You don't have to wait. You can do it right now. Go get it at iTunes and get it at your favorite record store. Yeah, they still exist, and of course on Amazon. If you get it on Amazon, if you buy the stage on Amazon, please use those Talk is Jericho links to make your pouches support Avenged Sevenfold and Talk is Jericho in one fell swoop in one click you can find my amazon links at podcast1.com all you do is click on the killer deals button in the top right corner of the page then hit the talk is jericho button i got amazon links for the usa uk canada a every time you use the talk is jericho amazon links amazon kicks back a small percentage to the show to help us cover production costs anything you want you can buy on amazon and using the talk is jericho amazon links won't cost you anything extra no hidden fees or extra challenges just go to podcast1.com click on the killer deals button in the top right corner of the page then hit the talk is jericho button if you buy something become a talk is jericho amazon warrior post it on the twitter at talk is jericho post a picture of what you bought post a picture of you in the stage if you buy the stage by avenge sevenfold on amazon post a picture of you holding the copy or, or a picture of the screenshot 
And I will retweet it and I'll follow you as well. Okay. You got to do it. Plus, when you go to podcastone.com and you click that killer deals button, hit the talk is Jericho button. You find all my other great sponsors there as well. DDPyoga.com slash Jericho. You can get 15% off the DDP Yoga program plus three months full access to the DDP Yoga Now app. Then there's DraftKings. Use my promo code Y2J to play for free with no deposit this weekend. Simply safe. Visit simplysavejericho.com to get free shipping on your order and a free keychain remote worth 25 bucks. BetDSI.com. Use my promo code Jericho25 to get $25 free just for trying the service. Then there's Lisa.com Jericho for your 100 night risk free trial and 75 bucks off your order for the best mattress you're ever going to sleep in. All right. Thank you so much for checking out all those sponsors and thanks for checking out all the great programs on the Jericho Network on Podcast One. We got another hit in our hands with Killing the Town, Storm and Cyrus. If you're interested in how the business works, a PhD in breaking down matches, events, then you need to download Killing the Town every Tuesday. Storm and Cyrus are completely on opposite sides of the spectrum. They hate each other, they love each other, but they have great, great conversations. They're very, very intelligent. You got to check it out. This week's episode, Storm and Cyrus did a deep dive on cutting promos, what works and what doesn't. They had a special guest from Locker Room Policeman. Paul the Mauler Lazenby. What's a what's a policeman in the locker room? Go check it out. All right, it's blood green and uh, was it blood guts and and and, and Muppets? I can't remember what it was. It, it, it loses the fact that when Lance Storm was in the WWE, he was told to cut promos like Sam the Eagle from the Muppets. So go check it out. And don't forget Team Tiger Awesome, hilarious every week. Some completely irrelevant pop culture show. Another another hit. And, of course, Keep It 100 with Conan, the biggest hit on the Jericho Network, the flagship show. Go check all those out. Subscribe and stars. And don't forget, March 15, 2017, it's the biggest podcast ever, 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 ever. When Mick Foley joins Talk is Jericho, the countdown rolls on, 129 days and counting. And speaking of big podcasts, I got another huge Talk is Jericho live coming up with AJ Styles, November 20th at the Bassett Theater in Toronto. You don't want to miss it. Get your tickets at markupmoments.com. There's still some videos. VIP meet and greet tickets available. And I still think there's some uh, tickets left for the brunch that AJ are hosting an hour before the event. Come have some breakfast with us. Go to markoutmoments.com for tickets. November 20th in Toronto. Talk is Jericho live with AJ Styles. All right. Thank you for listening. Keep listening for the 60 second AP news headlines coming up next and coming up on Friday. The rock and roll continues on Talk is Jericho with a rock and roll hall of famer, a true legend, a pioneer. Alice Cooper is going to be here. Alice Cooper for president. He's talking about his incredible groundbreaking career. You hear how uh, why he's running for president, what his platform is, what he thinks uh, needs to be done in America. Plus, he's talking about his incredible groundbreaking career, how he came up with the Alice looks, the props and theatrics on stage, the guillotine, the moving Frankenstein monster. You hear how he does those tricks. His 47-year partnership with manager and talk is Jericho alumni, Chef Gordon, and his friendship with John Lennon. This is living, breathing rock history you don't want to miss. Alice Cooper for president this Friday on Talk is Jericho. Who brings you the biggest guests? I do. Stay hard, stay hungry, and a big yeah, boy. We'll see you on Friday. Listen to Event 7 hold the stage and do it now. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Okay, keep your eyes closed. Okay. I want to show you my first ever painting. Ooh, all right. Okay. Open your eyes. Oh, that's a lot of colors mm-hmm. <laughs> and shapes. So be honest. What do you think? Well, uh, I like how if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Here, why don't I hold your paintbrush while you call them? Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. 
It's your last chance to get great holiday savings at Guitar Center. Like a Simmons SD550 electronic drum kit, just $3.99. Add your choice of AKG K52 headphones or a Shure SM48 mic, each just $39. Plus the newest and hottest guitars, drums, keys, and more. Exclusive gear you can't get anywhere else. Special financing, lessons for the beginner on your list, and gift cards. The perfect present for every musician. So hurry in and find your sound at Guitar Center. Trump's victory. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. It's always a lot of fun when you win. If you work hard and lose, that's not acceptable. At the White House, President Trump welcomed Republicans from the House and the Senate who passed a bill overhauling the tax code. The president says the middle class will be seeing the effects of this bill very soon. The typical family of four earning $75,000 will see an income tax cut of more than $2,000. They're going to have $2,000, and that's in my opinion, going to be less than the average. You're going to have a lot more than that. The tax overhaul bill also includes a corporate tax cut. We have companies pouring back into our country, and that means jobs, and it means really the formation of new, young, beautiful, strong companies. Democrats have criticized the tax package as a giveaway to corporations and the rich. The tax cuts for businesses are permanent under this tax bill, but reductions for individuals and families will expire after a decade. I'm Ed Donahue.